good to see a few people coming online with us this evening as we were getting ready to start. I was kind of paying attention to how many we had and who was saying what. And, and uh, it's a joy to see so many faces, not faces, so many names on there as, as they come up across the screen, watching, watching, watching. I know there's a lot of competition, especially on a Sunday evening. There's a lot of things you could watch, a lot of things you could do. And a pretty evening like this, you could easily be outside doing something. I, I understand that. So I really do appreciate every single one of you that's online with us tonight. I think this is a very important series that we're going to be starting tonight, and we're going to be doing it tonight, and the next two weeks after this, and I'm doing this series, you can see the name of the series behind me, God's Answers to the Anxieties, Fears, and Worries in Our Lives, and I'm doing this series because we are in the midst of a very fearful time. Uh, we could actually say it seems like we're in the worst of times, and that things are just as bad as they can be, and it's not just a, a short little period of time, it seems like it's extended, and it's getting worse and worse and we're being isolated and quarantined and it's getting harder and I understand that in that there's a lot of voices that we hear maybe even right now I think President Trump is is one of my competitors tonight as he's giving one of his briefings so you guys can easily hear his voice there's voices on social media there's voices on the in the media so there's a lot of voices that we could hear and those voices that we hear can cause a lot of panic in our hearts can cause fear anxiety worry can cause us to to have a hard time and I understand that so we need to what I wanted to do tonight and for the next three weeks after this is to stop all those voices to turn all that off and to hear only one voice to hear the voice of God we want God's answer for this time we want God's answer in this pandemic we want God's answer to our fears to our worries to our anxieties and that's what we're going to look at tonight and I'm turning the first first sermon in the series I want to turn to a very familiar passage Mark chapter 4 so if you have your Bibles it should be on your video already, Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. And this is a very, we all know this, very familiar, we all know this passage very, very well. One of the first passages that you would learn in Sunday school. So we all know this story, but even as I was studying it this week, not that it had new meaning, but that I saw it differently than I'd ever seen it before. And the reason that it's I saw it differently, again, not new meaning, but I saw it different, and I felt it differently because I'm in the midst, we're in the midst of a storm. So there's a, it's a whole lot different for us when we're studying this passage in Sunday school and we're, we're everything's A-OK. -okay, but now we're in the midst of a storm, so we need to hear this exactly as it's taught. So that's what we're going to look at tonight. Jesus calming the storm on the Sea of, of Galilee. And I pray that this will, not only for me, but for you, calm our fears. And that's what I titled this sermon tonight, Calming Our Fears. I want to read these verses, verses 35 through 41, and I pray that this will um, slay the giant of fear, that this will be one of those stones that knocks the giant out, that knocks the fear out of our lives, and helps us get through what is one of the worst times we've ever been in. So let's read this, these verses, and again, you all know them, I don't even need to set them in front of you, but I'm going to. Verse 35 of Mark chapter 4, uh, this is the word of God. Verse 35, and the, and the same day, when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. When they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with them other little ships. And there arose, and this would be suddenly, this would be out of nowhere, a great storm. I'll say this, and just in case I miss it, that word great means mega. It's huge. It's a tornado. It's hurricane-type winds. A great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, 
Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the winds and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was mega great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one, one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? So let's pray, and then we'll study Jesus calming our fears. Father, I... We turn to this passage tonight, and this began me turning to this passage, and me needing to hear it, and me needing my fears calmed, and not only for me, but for my family. Lord, this began for me, and it uh, opened up into so much more that I, I believe that our church needed to hear this, and I believe a wider audience needs to hear this, but that's not where my mind is. My mind is on our church. I want our church family to hear this. I want our fears to be calmed in the midst of what is a storm in our world right now. So may you use, God, this passage to calm not the storm around us. We would ask that. We want the storm of, of the coronavirus to be calmed around us. But ultimately, God, we want you to calm the storm that is within us so that we can make it through to the other side. So help us, God, tonight to calm our fears. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's where this began. I mentioned it in the prayer, and I want to start off with that, why I'm doing this series. Because I usually don't change things up. We're supposed to be doing a series on the new birth. What, is, what does it mean to be born again? That was the plan for me to start tonight. I planned that uh, since November, December. I had that plan to start tonight to, to begin this series. And, and uh, it was going to be a deep doctrinal series, and my plans don't change much. It takes a lot. It takes a pandemic to change my plans, but what changed my plans was my little girl Emma. She's six years old. You guys have heard me talk about that my beautiful little girl many a times. She's she's probably she's a little bitty thing. I mean, she's just soaking wet. She may be thirty five pounds. And and last Sunday, I got my whole family up to bring them to to uh, Easter Sunday. I wanted to have Easter Sunday together. If it was just us together, that would be fine. Us six in the church all by ourselves, we could spend Easter together. And as we were getting Emma ready to go, this is what she said. And I wrote it down so I can get her quote right. So that she, if she's watching, she won't correct me later. But here's what she said. She said, Daddy, I don't want to leave the house. She was afraid to get out. I said, why? She said, there's a coronavirus out there. And that's what she says. There's a coronavirus out there. And, and, and people are getting sick. And I don't want to get the coronavirus. And then as the week went on, she, she kept on saying things to me. I came home from, from church one evening, and she looked at me and said, Dad, you need to take off all your clothes. You need to wash them. You need to, to wash your hands and say, sing happy birthday two times. So she, she's got all these things in her mind. And then just the other day, she said, Dad, I can't wait till the coronavirus is over so that I can hug all of my friends when I see them again. So she just kept throwing these things out at us, and me and Steph kept hearing them, and, and in my mind, I said, I, I, what I need to do, she's six years old, she shouldn't have fears. Her greatest fear should be that her siblings are being mean to her. That should be the, the worst fear that she has. But now, right now, my little six-year-old girl is fearing a virus, is fearing the world. She has fear. 
So I sit down and I say, I need to calm these fears. And, and it's not just my little girl, Emma. Where do you think she got those fears from? She got it from me. She got it from my wife. She got it from the television. She hears it everywhere we go. You get out and there's masks on and there's gloves on. And everybody's scared to the point where my six-year-old doesn't want to get out of the house. So I said, we need to calm our, not our fears, but I need to calm her fears. I need a, a story to tell her that will calm her down. I need to be able to calm her down and, and my ki other kids down. And, and then I thought, you know what? Admit it or not, every single one of us has these fears. You can sit there and be manly and say, I'm not scared of the coronavirus. Uh, it, it, it wouldn't kill me. But every single one of us, no matter who you are, has a fear of the sickness. We have a fear of our finances at the end of all this. We have a fear of the future, of, of will we ever get back to normal? My biggest fear is can I take care of my family right now and, and guard them and protect them? So all of us have fears and this Disease, this virus that's attacking us, this, this small little virus that's, that's a, I think President Trump calls it the invisible enemy, is causing our fears to go through the roof. I watch those Trump uh, news conferences and they, they, they'll bring up those charts and they'll show where, where the sicknesses are coming, where the deaths are coming. And it'll, it'll have February and March and April and May and they just keep on going up. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'd like to see a graph of the fears of the people in our nation. In February, our fears were kind of leveled off. And then in March, they started going through the roof. And in, and in April, here we are now, and our fears are going even higher. And if it doesn't end anytime soon, our, our fears are going to keep skyrocketing to where it's a point where we're going to start panicking. And it's going to overwhelm us. And it's going to be crippling to us. New levels and new heights of fear that most of us have never had before. We are fearful and living in a fearful time. So I thought if we're going to keep going up in our fears, me, my kids, my littlest of, of kids, little Emma, we need to somehow, get this, hit a plateau and start changing the curve. We need to get our fears to start leveling off and going down. And how can we do that? We need to know how to deal with it. Not with the virus, but with our fears that the virus is, is causing. How do we do that? So I said, I'm going to turn to Mark chapter 4. And I'm going to give, and I've got other passages that we'll preach. But I, I want to get those fears and get those anxieties and get those worries to start going down. And again, this won't be a, a seven-minute solution. I saw a sermon the other day as I was researching some of these things. And, and somebody preached a sermon, seven minutes to calming your fears. I want to listen to it. It, it. it didn't work. Seven minutes isn't going to get it done. This isn't going to be a little, little tiny quote that's going to say, okay, my fears are calm. What this study will be is teaching us to learn to trust God to calm our fears. That's the only way we'll get our fears calm. God's answer to calming our fears, our anxieties, and our worries is teaching us to trust Him. And that's the lesson here in Mark chapter 4. As these disciples and Jesus are on a routine journey, they're taking a trip across the Sea of Galilee, probably a trip that they've made, maybe not Jesus, but the disciples, a hundred, even thousands of times. This is a routine, typical, get in the boat, let's go across. No big deal at all. It's an everyday event. And they get in and they go, and it turns into their worst fear. What happens with this storm is every fisherman, every sailor's worst fear imaginable. 
last thing you want to happen is to get out on a boat and a storm like this hit you. So the, the, the fear that they, the, the one thing they feared their entire life is now happening to them. They are in the midst of the worst of storms. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, their worst fears are realized and everything gets out of control. And here, in the midst of this storm, they learn one of the most valuable lessons of their lives. A lesson that they can take from this storm and they can apply it to every other storm that they go through the rest of their lives. They learn in this storm a lesson of faith. They learn in this storm to trust Jesus. They learn in this storm that Jesus can be trusted in life's most threatening of circumstances. And that's the, that's the whole point of this sermon tonight. The whole point of this passage is that Jesus can be trusted in the midst of life's most threatening of circumstances. So let's look at it tonight, and I pray that, that it'll, it'll, God will use it to calm our fears. And I'm going to give you, again, three points tonight as we work our way through this passage. And I've preached it before, but I've never used this outline before. I wanted to re-preach it without looking back at any other sermons that I've preached before. So I'm starting out with the circumstances of the storm. What happens? Because it's the, the circumstances that cause their fear. It's the circumstances of the storm that cause them to be afraid. And it's the circumstances of our life right now, the sickness, the finances, the future, our family, all the things that we're facing. It's the circumstances that cause our fears. So what are the circumstances that cause their fear? It says in verse 35, that same day when the evening was come, Jesus says unto them, let's go. Let's get across to the other side. It's been a long day of preaching. If you, if you want to look back, I don't want to go back to the rest of chapter 4 and into chapter 3 and into chapter 2. But Jesus has been, has been preaching a lot and, again, and he needs a rest. Obviously, he's tired because as soon as they get him in the boat and they push off, Jesus is already asleep. So he's tired and, he, and he's ready for some rest. And he says, let's get in this boat and let's go across the sea. Let's take a boat ride. And the disciples expect, fully expect, again, they've done this a hundred or thousands of times, they expect a nice, calm ride across the sea. They expect clear sailing. They have no idea what they're getting ready to run into. Jesus knows, but they have no idea. I would say when Jesus laid his head down to, to, to go to sleep, I'm sure in his mind he was thinking, I wonder how long it's going to be before they wake me up scared to death. And again, I'll say this in just a minute. But the storms that we face, they may be sudden and accidental for us, but they are not sudden and accidental for Jesus. These things, this storm, I believe he had specially chosen these winds for this storm. He planned it. He prepared it. He was way ahead of them. This is what we preached last week and during the Passion Week. And Jesus is always steps ahead of us. It may look like to us that in the midst of this storm that it's out of control. But Jesus has this planned out. He has this lesson already planned before the foundation of the world. He knew this was coming. He's calm. He's asleep. He's in the boat. And they're the ones that want to panic. So Jesus sends them into this storm. He sends them into it. And it says in verse 37... When they sent away, verse 36, the multitude, they took him at, even as he was in the ship. There was also little ships behind him. And in verse 37, and there arose a great storm. 
I'm not going to give you a lot of detail. I even put it in my notes. Don't give detail here. But the Sea of Galilee is the lowest freshwater lake in the world. So it's, got a, it's almost like a bowl. I'm sitting here giving details. And I said, don't give details. But it's almost like a bowl. And there's mountains all around it. And storms like this are common. For it to come in almost like you would set a top off inside of a bowl. And it's just going to spin all the way around it. And that's what happens here. There's a storm, just almost tornado-like, that gets set off in the bowl with the mountains all around it. And it's just spinning all around the water in the middle of, of the darkness. And it says, and, and, and there arose, which means it came out of nowhere. It was unexpected. It, it wasn't anticipated. And get this, our storms are usually never expected. We never anticipate them. A lot of times we're just out on a normal, typical boat ride or whatever it is we're going through. And then out of nowhere it hits. Unanticipated, unexpected by us, but fully planned by God. This did not catch Jesus by surprise. It caught the disciples by surprise, but it did not catch him by surprise. And let me apply that before we move on. This coronavirus may have caught us by surprise. It may have caught the Chinese by surprise. It may have caught our government by surprise and every other nation in the world by surprise. And it may have caught you by surprise. You didn't see it coming. We didn't plan this. In December, we weren't all sitting here thinking, man, in April, we're going to all be confined. We're going to be isolated. We're going to be quarantined. The church is going to be empty on Easter and maybe even Mother's Day. We didn't plan this. We didn't prepare it. It's a surprise to us. Where'd this come from? single bit of it was planned and prepared by God. No surprise to him. So to them it was and there arose. But to Jesus he knew it was coming. What we don't see coming, Jesus has already planned. And in verse 37 there arose a great storm, a mega storm. Again they didn't see it coming. Tornado force winds, sudden and severe, coming to toss the ship to and fro. It says there the winds are battering against the ship. The waves are beating against the ship to the point where the, the boat was becoming full. This would be a boat that, that would fit 15 to 20 men. Their worst fears had been realized. It's wreaking havoc upon that ship. You can imagine it being tossed back and forth. Water coming in. The, the, the boat just ripping to shreds. Coming apart at the seams. And these experienced fishermen. This is their job. This is what they've done for a living. Are now in panic mode. They've passed the point in verse 37, they have passed the point of know-how. You know when you're an expert of something and you understand it very well, and you're sitting there thinking, it gets bad, I can handle this. It gets bad, I can handle this. It gets bad, I've seen this before. Oh, I've seen storms like this before. It'll pass. We'll be okay. You go get that, and you go get that, and you go do this. No need to wake Jesus up. Everything's going to be fine. And then the next step, you go, hey, I still got it. It's going to be okay. But here, in verse 37, they pass the point of know-how. They pass the point where they said, I know what to do. I know how to fix this. They got to the point where they lost all control and they had no idea what to do. Looking at each other like, we're going to die. That's where they are. We don't know what to do. 
And that's exactly where Jesus wanted to get them. These expert fishermen who knew how to get on a boat, who knew how to get through a storm, had to get to the point where they didn't know what to do anymore before they turned to the one who knew what to do. So the question is, what do they do? This is pandemonium on the sea. Sounds like a cruise ship name. Pandemonium at the sea. That's funny. You can smile at least. The question is, what do they do? What are they going to do? Because they're sitting down there looking at each other, and they're saying, what are we going to do? How are we going to fix this? I mean, the boat is coming apart. The winds are, are tossing us back and forth. It's like we're going to seek the water. We can't bail it out enough to, to stay above water. What are we going to do? How are we going to fix this? Let me see what the answers were. What are the options? You can't hide in a boat of 15 to 20 men. There's no place for you to hide. You can't duck and cover. There's no scientist to come and figure it out for you. There's no experts that can give you a graph to try to fix that boat and that storm. There's no FEMA to, to, to come and fix everything. There's no nerve pills. There's no alcohol to knock you out. There's no government going to give you a bailout to get you out of this situation. What are you going to do? Who are you going to turn to? Where do they go? I love verse 37, panic. I, I drew a line between verse 37 and 38, and there arose a great storm and a wind and waves beat upon the ship, and it was now full, and the only bailout that they could get was trying to bail it out of the ship. And then in verse 38, and he was. Ah, oh, I know where to go. I know who the answer is. These brave fishermen, expert fishermen, now must go to the expert carpenter. I love this. You can look it up. I, I almost posted it today just to give you kind of a preliminary look at what I was going to say in this sermon. But there's a painting by Rembrandt in 1633, and I think the name of it is Jesus Calms the Sea of Galilee. It's one of the most beautiful, one of the most famous paintings of all time. And, and it, it's just a remarkable painting. Google it. Look it up. And make it your background on your phone. It, it is an, an amazing thing because in this ship, the ship is up on a wave, and it looks like it's about to, to tip over. And these guys are all trying to pull at all these different things, trying to hold it all together. And I couldn't get my eyes off of the one person that was painting there in the middle of it all who is calm, who has everything under control. Who do you think it is? It's Jesus. And the disciples are looking at him. This is the whole point of the passage. To get our eyes off of the circumstances and off of the storm and onto the Savior. And that's what they do. Sometimes we need to be all out of options. Sometimes we we don't need to trust the experts and the scientists and the politicians and, and the government agencies and the bailouts. Sometimes we need to turn our eyes to Jesus and see the calm in his face. Because that's what they do. They run to the only option that they have. They run to Jesus. They run to a sleeping carpenter. And in the midst of the worst storm that you could ever imagine, Jesus is as calm as they can be. Sound asleep. And believe me, in the midst of this storm that we're in right now, Jesus is not fretting. He is not panicking. He's not up in heaven trying to figure all this out. He's not trying to find a solution. He's not trying to find a vaccine. He's not trying to, to figure things out. He's got it all figured out. There's complete calm and order and peace in heaven. 
This has all been planned and ordered and ordained from the foundation of the world. Things aren't out of control in heaven. As out of control as it may seem around us with our circumstances, when you look at Jesus, everything is completely under control. Why? Because he's not mastered by the circumstances. He is master of the circumstances. So they go to the right place, but they ask the wrong question. I'm going to have to hurry through this. I'm lingering through some of these points, but they, they go to the right place, but they ask the wrong question. They go to the right place, but they ask the wrong question. And I think they ask the worst possible question that you could ever ask Jesus. This may be the worst question, the, the harshest question in the entire Bible. Don't ask this. Why do they ask this? Because in this moment, they're not thinking right. In this moment, they are mastered by their circumstances. In this moment, fear has overcome their faith. It's not the water that is overcoming their boat. It's fear that's overcoming their faith. And they ask the worst possible question. You say, what is it, Josh? And they say, Master? And I doubt that was quiet. Because if you read the other gospel accounts, there's master, there's teacher, and there's Lord. They're, they're calling every name in the book. Jesus, master, teacher, Lord, wake up! Carest thou not that we perish? And that question is, don't you care about us? It's the worst question you could ask him. But in the midst of all this, with all that's going on around them, they wasn't thinking. They were letting their emotions override their thoughts, what they knew to be true. They forgot at that moment two very important things. If they'd have been thinking, they forgot two very important things. They forgot number one, and that's what happens when we panic, we forget things. C.S. Lewis said the, the, the head ought to rule the belly. The belly shouldn't rule the head, which what he means by that is the head rules the emotions, the emotions shouldn't rule the head. And right here in this moment, their emotions, their, their belly, their gut was ruling their head. So when, and when we get in times of, of fear and in panic and in chaos, or we can say worry and anxiety, then we, we, we oftentimes are thinking only emotionally when we need to be thinking logically. They forgot two things that would have, that would have totally calmed them down in the midst of this storm. Here's the two things that they forgot. Number one, they forgot his word to them. And number two, they forgot his care for them. I, I want to take them one at a time. He said in verse 35, if you didn't catch this, and you've got to think about this logically. You've got to think about this theologically. So because he says in verse 35, think about this. Jesus said in verse 35, in the same day when evening was come, he saith unto them, let's see if we can make it over to the other side. Is that what it says? If you're reading your Bible, that's not what it says. Let's see if we might drown tonight. <laughs> he says, let us pass over unto the other side. We're going to make it. We're going to get through this. And if they'd have thought about it instead of letting their guts and their emotions and their bellies rule over their mind, then they would have sit there in the midst of that storm and they would have said, Jesus is asleep. And he said, and I take him at his word, that we're going to make it to the other side. We are going to be okay. They forgot his word to them. Number two, they forgot his care for them. How in the world can they ask him if he cares? Jesus probably thinking when they asked that, 
I'm in this boat because I care for you. How dare you ask me that? Even more, maybe in Jesus' mind, and I think about these things, I'm in this world because I care for you. Have you not seen example after example after example after example? I don't need to go back through the other chapters in Mark to show you the examples of how he cares for them. I wouldn't have called you if I didn't care for you. I wouldn't feed you if I didn't care for you. How dare you doubt that I care for you? They forgot two things, and that caused their panic. Two things, and that caused their fear. They let their circumstances outweigh the truth about Christ. They forgot his word to them and his care for them. And that is so common, and I'm going to move from this point. We often let our circumstances around us override truth that we know inside of us. And we have to calm down and quit feeling and start thinking. That's why it's so good to have a church that teaches biblically and theologically because you have a foundation on what to think about. These churches, and I'm going to be very nice here because this isn't a part of the sermon, this is just me maybe even ranting, but you have churches that are all about the emotions. You come into church and it's all about rousing up people's emotions, getting them fired up, getting them stirred up. And, they all, and everybody's coming to church for an emotional feeling. And when times like these hit and there's a panic and it stirs and there's fears, they don't know how to respond other than emotionally. They let their gut, they let their belly outweigh or lead their mind because they don't have anything in their mind. You'll hear people say that. Even, even Christians will say that. Some of the most uh, ridiculous things in the midst of all this. And you're sitting there, where did they get that at? We need a theological, we need a biblical foundation so that when we get in the storm, I know what Jesus said and I know that he cares for me. And that overrides and calms my fears. I know he cares. I know what he said about this. I know. I don't have to feel it. I know it. In that moment, their emotion of fear was greater than their faith. And they were wondering, can I really trust him? Get this. Our circumstances doesn't change his words to us. And our circumstances doesn't change his care for us. But the circumstances that cause the fear. Number two. We begin to move towards it. If, we, if their fears are up here and rising, and we want to level that off and get it on the going back down, we must see number two. His control over the storm. We saw the circumstances of the, of, of the storm that caused their fear. Now I want to show you his control over the storm. But as they wake him up, it says in verse 38, he's in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they go and wake him up. I wonder who volunteered for that job. They're sitting there drawing straws to see who gets to go back there and wake Jesus up. One of these guys goes back there and says, hey, Jesus. The guys are kind of scared. I'm not. Not me. I think it'll be okay. But the guys back here, man, they're talking. And they really need you to, to, to they want you to do something. They sent me. No, no, no. 
But this, they go to Jesus. And I like this. And he hears them and he responds. He doesn't stay asleep. He's not idle. He's not uncaring. But as soon as they wake him up, he gets up. Immediately. As soon as we cry, we preach it on Wednesday night, help me. He responds. He hears us when we cry. He's not indifferent. He's not apathetic. He's a sympathetic Savior. And even if they shouldn't be scared, he responds like that. And what does he do? I mean, that's a simple truth, but it's powerful. They wake him up, and he gets up. And he rebukes. Uh, verse 39, and he arose. And I want you to see the... the I, I pay attention to these things, but in verse 37, the storm arose, and in verse 39, he arose. You say, Josh, what does that mean? In my mind, I see a, a mega storm arise out of nowhere, and it's almost like it's two boxers in a ring, and the mega storm is in one side of the ring, and it, it gets up there, the, the storm of the century, and this storm is sitting there, you know, just ready to take, it would take out anybody on earth. And then he arose. It's almost like the same thing on Resurrection Sunday. Over here in this corner, death, hell, and the grave. The sin of mankind is over here in this corner. And in this corner, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> and he arose. In this corner, the storm of the century. In this corner, the master of the sea. And willows obeyed him. Watch what he does. And he arose, and he didn't even put up his dukes, you know. Come on, storm. He rebukes the wind, and it says unto the sea. <laughs> the word rebuke is, is uh, it, it means to admonish, but it pictures a parent jumping onto a child. Now, 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 now. I do that to my kids all the time. I, I got four kids. They run around and do things they shouldn't do all the time. Not Gracie. You know, she, she's the one who's out here videoing for me. I don't have to. Now, 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 now. But my, yeah, I do her sometimes. But now, 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 now. It's time for bed. But you don't need to be doing that. Don't hit your sister. Don't hit your brother. Oh, don't, don't, don't eat all that. We're running out of food. Fear. No, 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 no. no. That's, what he, that's what this word means. It's a rebuke. It's, a, it's an admonishment. He looks at the storm and says, what do you think you're doing? PowerPoint, you know, right at that storm. And he says, peace be still. I like this. And it didn't begin to die down. <laughs> it didn't take its time. He looks at it and he says, hush. Shh. Silence. And you understand this, waves, I don't know if you do or not, waves don't have ears. The wind doesn't have ears. Why does he speak to it? Not for it, their sake, but for our sake. To show us that he has complete control over the sea, the waves, and the wind. 
And it says it went from, and you're going to see that too. There arose a great storm, mega storm. And he arose, and now there is a great calm, mega calm. Who won the fight? Who won the battle? And it happened immediately, all at once. And I don't have time to get into all this, but like he turned the switch on. I'm talking it was dark, and now it's light. I'm talking the waters were just beating up against the, the, the boat and, and millions of gallons of water. And all of a sudden, like he turned on a switch, calm. Amazing winds. I mean, just calm. He is now calm. Like, like, it was all these things together. The winds, the rains, the sea. The storm, the lightning, the thunder, all these things were like synchronized swimmers. As soon as he said, shh, all stopped. You see those synchronized swimmers that get in the, in the water and all the legs go <laughs> exactly as they, everybody else has done. As soon as he says, shh, he doesn't have to look at the winds and say, shh, or the waves and say, shh, or the thunder and say, shh, or the lightning and say, shh. He says, shh, and everybody, shh. He has now calmed the storm outside of him. Showing them and us that he has power over things we can't control. Showing them that he is Lord, master of the sea. And to them the sea was the most uncontrollable thing on the planet. Daniel 7 talks about sea monsters. They didn't know what was out there. It was the deep. What is out there? We can't examine it. We can't plunge the depths of it. It's scary. We can't go out there. Nobody can calm that. Nobody controls the sea. You get out in the sea and it controls you. It takes you where it wants to go. It's scary. But when Jesus says, shh, it's shh. He controls the most uncontrollable situations. Now let me apply this. I say this a lot. And it means a lot right now. R.C. Sproul says there are no maverick molecules in the universe. There's not one tiny little molecule that he is not in complete control of. Anywhere, anytime, anyplace. And in this sea here, he is controlling the tiniest molecules of H2O. That we can't even really fathom. He's got them under control. They're not maverick. They're not, and I say the word maverick, or R.C. Sproul says maverick, he means that they're, they're out of control. There's no out of control molecules on the face of the planet. And if he controls the H2O in that water, do you not think that he can control the tiniest of molecules in a coronavirus? That if he wants to, he could completely calm the storm that is around us in this nation, in this world, with just a shh. That's the God we pray to that can control the tiniest of molecules that we can't see. And we've got our top scientists and our top experts. Get this. And we put these experts, we put these scientists on a pedestal and we act like they are the end-all, be-all of everything. It's almost like we bow down to scientists and experts and we worship them and, and, and we say, whatever you say, whatever you want us to do, we'll do it. And I'm all for scientists. I'm all for experts. But get this. They can't control any of that stuff. They're sitting there saying, we don't know. I know who knows and who can 
can control the tiniest fragment of molecules. He can put a stop to the, to the storm of a virus like that. Shh, and it's over. That's who we pray to. He can calm this storm. That's how powerful he is. He's not just a master of the sea. He's a master of viruses. I like that. It calms my fears. It's not an out-of-control virus. It's an under-control virus. Under the sovereign care of an almighty, all-loving God. So he goes from calming the storm around them to now trying to calm the storm within them. He now looks at them in verse 40. I'm preaching longer than I wanted to tonight. And he said unto them, I think this is a funny question. Why are you so fearful? What if he looked at us like, like that tonight? He said, why are you so scared? I'm sure they sitting there soaking wet, <laughs> shaking. I'm sure they looked at him and said, uh, we were about to drown. <laughs> we were about to die. Are you serious? And we could look at him and he looked at us and said, why are you guys so scared? Why are you, why is it is skyrocketing the fear in our lives? Why are you so scared? What would you say? Well, there's a virus? They're saying, well, isn't it obvious? Wouldn't anyone be scared now, Jesus? And he looks at him and he says, how is it that you have no faith? Oh, you of little faith. You acted like you were the most faithful people on the planet. You guys thought you had all the faith in the world. But when a storm comes, it reveals who we really are. When a storm comes, we can act like everything's going to be a-okay. When everything's good. When we're on the mountaintops. When there's no storms. When everything is clear sailing, we'll sit there and say, oh, I trust God. He's so good to me. Are you really trusting God or are you, or are you trusting the circumstances that God has given you? Because when the circumstances change, it reveals who we really are and how much faith we really have. If we say we have faith in the good times and when the bad times come, we start panicking. Do we really have faith? Or is it just faith in the good things that happen? We seem to have faith that he can save us, forgive us, and take us to heaven. But where's our faith that says he can get me through a storm? Let me say that again. We have faith. We say we do. I have faith that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose again on the third day. I believe that. I have faith that if I believe in him, put my full faith and trust in him, and trust in him wholly and completely to save me and forgive me, that he'll take me to heaven one day. That he'll wipe me clean, that I can stand before God justified, just as if I never sinned. That I've been cleansed in the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. I believe those things. So I believe he can do these marvelous, magnificent, miraculous things for me. But I don't have faith that he can get me through a storm. Oh, you of little faith. What would have been faithful for them? Well, it would have been doing everything you can do possibly on your own 
trusting him to do the rest. That's faith. They could have worked on the boat in the middle of the storm. They could have raised the sail and dropped the sail and bailed the water and done everything that they could do in their own power. But then rested and trusted in God to take care of the rest. He said he'd get us through and I know he cares about us. The same thing for this virus. I'll do everything that I can do. I think I said this the first night that, that I preached after, the, after all this started happening. I said, wash your hands and trust God. You do everything that you can do. You take every precaution that you can take. It's the same thing we've done for our church. I, I hear people all say all the time, why are, you, why are you not having church? Don't you trust God? No, I'm going to do everything that I can do responsibly to take care of the people and to be a good shepherd to the sheep so that they don't get sick. I'm going to do everything that I can do. And in the end, I'm going to trust God. It's faith. Last point, and we'll close. We've seen the circumstances of the storm. We've seen the control over the storm. And I want to show you the calm after the storm. That's in verse 41. We've got one verse left. You guys know, one verse could mean another 30 minutes. The calm after the storm. Because I do have a couple things I want to show you here. I don't know if I have time. Verse 41, it says, And after he said that to them, and they feared exceedingly. They feared exceedingly. And that word fear is different in verse 40 than it is in verse 41, where he says in verse 40, why are you fearful? And then in verse 41, it says they feared exceedingly. The word for feared in verse 41 is actually that they were astonished. It means that they were trembling. It means that they were amazed. That's that word in Mark, amazed. And it was at the storm. They were scared to death of the storm. And now they are amazed at the master of the storm. They are astonished. They are beside themselves, who Jesus is and what he had just done. And that is the theme of, of Mark. If I had more time, I would, I would take you through it. And let me, let me just give you a couple. I know you guys are sitting there saying, he just said he wasn't going to do it, but he's going to do it. I, I, I knew he would. Look at Mark 1, verse 22. And they were astonished at his doctrine. Look at verse 27. And they were amazed in so much that they questioned among themselves, saying. Look at chapter 2, verse 12. I mean, we just keep going through this. And they were all amazed. Chapter 4, verse 41, same thing, amazed. I can go all the way through to chapter 16 that we preached last Sunday when he was resurrected. And they were amazed that the, the theme of all of Mark is the amazing Lord Jesus Christ. Everything he did was amazing. And calming this storm now, they were amazed at him. So let me give you another application here. Storms are an opportunity for us to see Jesus more clearly. I'll give you a summary of these applications in just a second. If they hadn't been on this boat, in this storm, they would have never been amazed at Jesus like they were. Listen to me. Instead of saying, I wish I'd never gotten on that boat with Jesus, that was the worst thing that ever happened to me. I bet you when they got off that boat, they were telling everybody in the world what happened. They were glad they were there. Every, every friend they saw, let me tell you what happened on the boat. Jesus is amazing. I saw him in a way I'd never seen before. I tell you what, if I'd been on that boat, you'd hear about it in every sermon. Let me tell you a boat story. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's what I would be doing. The storm was an opportunity for them to see Jesus more clearly than they ever had before. And then they asked him. And they said one to another, they didn't ask him, they said one to another. 
What manner of man is this? They'd just seen a miracle. They'd seen power they'd never experienced before. They'd seen something supernatural right in front of them, undeniable, in, in front of their eyes. And they said, what kind of man is this? You know what the New York governor would have said, Cuomo? He would have saw the miracle and he said, oh, God didn't do that. Faith didn't do that. That was us. That was me. We stopped the water. We stopped the waves. In the Nile. But no, they look at it and they say, what manner of man is this? He's not normal. He's not natural. He's not typical. He's not from around here. Who is this man? They are now seeing with lightning clarity. Almost like a lightning strike out of the sky. Boom! This is who he is. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's who he is. And he controls the storms of our life. And that light bulb went off in their mind. He's God. He's in control. He cares about me. And I can trust him with life's most threatening of circumstances. This story here, wrapped in these few verses, becomes the boost that their faith needs. Watch this. Their fear was skyrocketing. And when they saw who he was and what he could do, when they saw he is God, he's in control, he cares about me, and he can take care of all the circumstances of my life, their fear that was skyrocketing is now plunging. And their faith that was plunging is now skyrocketing. Because they saw Jesus is God, Jesus is in control, Jesus cares, and he can handle all of life's terrible circumstances. Those brass took a massive change. Fear dropping, faith rising. And that's the whole point of this lesson that Jesus is teaching us. Every event after this, every event after this, I bet they had in their mind, I think Jesus can handle this too. I bet Jesus can handle this too. And if somebody looked at them and said, I don't think he can. This is a, little, this is a big thing. Do you think he can handle this? I bet you in their mind they said, let me tell you about a storm. <laughs> let me tell you what he did on a boat here. And if he can handle the boat, if he can handle the water, if he can handle the waves and the wind, if he can do that, boy, he can take care of this next thing. And I, I've got evidence for you. Acts chapter 12, don't turn there. Peter's in prison. Peter's about to die. The very next day, they're going to put him to death for preaching the gospel. This is another storm in the life of Peter. And what is Peter doing? An angel shows up to get Peter out of prison. The same Peter that's in the boat in this story here is in prison in Acts chapter 12. And an angel shows up at the door, and when he gets in, the angel gets into, into the prison cell, what's Peter doing? Is he sitting there saying, oh, no, what am I going to do? They're going to kill me tomorrow. My life's going to end. What are we going to do? Is, is Jesus in control? Does Jesus care about me? Where is Jesus in the midst of all this? Oh, no, what am I going to do? The angel gets to the prison cell and he finds Peter sound asleep. Just like Jesus was in this passage. To the point where the angel, it says, you go read it, is nudging him, pushing him, shaking him, can't even get him up. 
He's in a deep sleep dreaming. You say he's about to die the next day. How's he doing that? He's sitting there in the prison and going through his mind is, I remember Jesus handling himself pretty well in that boat, calming that storm, cares a whole lot for me, and if he can get me through that storm, I bet he can get me through this storm too. And his fear was plummeting and his faith was skyrocketing. This became the lesson that they could trust him. Every storm, every storm we go through is an opportunity for us to trust Jesus just a little bit more. And get this, at the end of the coronavirus, when all is said and done, and things are back to whatever normal we're going to be in. This little season that we're in right now, we'll look back on and say, if he can get me through that, I bet he can get me through the next thing too. If he can get me through a sickness, I bet he can get me through the next thing. If he can get me through cancer, I bet he can get me through this. If he can get me through the, the death of a loved one, I bet he can get me through this. And the, all of our life's problems and all of our life's storms are just one more opportunity for us to learn to trust him more. These are lessons on trust. And trust isn't gained in a seven-minute sermon or a short little quote. Trust is gained over time where you see Jesus is God. He's in control. He cares for me. And he can handle all of life's toughest circumstances. It's gained over time. So in the next storm that comes, it's not our fear that goes skyrocketing, but our faith that skyrockets. I bet he can get me through this too. That your whole life is one storm after the other, boosting our faith so that when I'm on my deathbed, I can sit there with my last breath and I can say, you know what? He's got me through a whole lot. And I guarantee you he'll get me through this too. So what's the lessons we can learn in this? And I'll close. I've, I've, I've sprinkled them throughout, but I want to I summarize them here. I think this is good for us. Number one, and this is the, just the application that I've sprinkled throughout. We are not in this storm accidentally. It may take us by surprise, and we may not see it at the time, but every storm that we're in has a larger purpose. So right now, in the midst of this storm that we're in, we're tossed to and fro, and it seems chaotic, and we're about to panic. You can sit down and rest assured that God has a greater purpose in this storm than you could ever imagine. And sometimes you have to get to the other end of the storm and look back on it before you can say, I see where you're doing that. But you'll always see it. So this storm is not, we're not in it accidentally. Number two, the storms reveal where we are spiritually. Good times don't reveal anything about us. It's the bad times that reveal who we really are. Uh, what happens when the times get tough? What do you want to do? Where are you going to turn? Who are you going to look to? 
Are you going to be like those disciples in that Rembrandt painting? That there's a few of them that are, that are looking elsewhere out of the storm. And then there's a few of them that are looking at Jesus. Which way are you going to look? The storms will reveal the true matter of faith. Who we really are. Who are you going to look to? Who are you going to trust? How are you going to act? And I've said this from the beginning. How we act right now will be a testimony to the world. How are Christians acting in this? And I've got to be real careful here. I've wrote a few things down. Are we... This is very, very convicting for me. Are we promoting conspiracy theories? Are we pointing fingers at leaders? Are we, I wrote about, I wanted the P word. Are we promoting conspiracy theories, pointing fingers at leaders, pontificating like we are experts? I know all about disease. <laughs> Or are we prophesying end-time scenarios? I saw a sermon the other day, COVID-19 and the coming of Christ. All those things show that where we're looking and how we're acting, bad times reveal who we really are. So bad times don't come by accident. Bad times reveal who we really are. And number three, and I'll close with this, Bad times help us see Jesus more clearly. We've seen his power here. That he has the ability to calm any storm around us. To heal any disease. To stop any virus. To save any person who's lost. He has that power. And that is the power that we pray to. That is, that's the power that, the God, that God has that we pray to. We know he can calm any storm around us. But then we see his care. And that calms all the storms within us. He may not calm the storm around us. We may be in this pandemic for several more months. Things may not return back to normal. But knowing that he cares for me. You don't have to doubt that. Is what will calm the storm within us. And we need that more than we need the storm around us calm. We know that he cares I already said he came into this world because he cares. He faced the, the most severe storm in the history of the world because he cares. You say, what storm is that? The storm of the cross where he took our sin, where he took our, our death, where he took our grave. He did all that because he cares. You want proof that he cares in the midst of all this? That he cares for you deeply? That he loves you beyond anything you could ever imagine? Understand the cross. He died for you. That's proof positive that he cares. Never doubt the care of Jesus. In the midst of all this, when you think it's out of control, understand it's under control, and that he does care for me. How do I know? He died for me. And Romans 8 says this, if he spared not his son, if he goes to that length for us, then I know he won't stop short of seeing me through a storm. I know that he will get me through the storms of life. You know he cares. Let me say those two things. You know he can, he has that power, and you know he cares. And those two things should send our faith through the roof and our fears through the floor. To the point, and I'm going to close with this, Emma went walking through the house the other day after her Sunday school class, I think.
and she was singing. He's got the whole world in his hands. 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 She came. He's got you and me, sister, in his hands. He's got you and me, sister, in his hands. He's got you and me, sister, in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. And when she sings that part, it's not just he's got the whole world in his hands and he can control it all. But he's got me and my sister Grace in his hands too, his picture. And she walked through there with a smile on her face like she didn't have a care in the world. All because she had a little song in her head knowing he can May that, those two things, calm our fears tonight. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that gives us all things pertaining to life, especially in these storms, these times of trouble, and what we appear, what appears to be the, the worst of times, an extended worst of times. And God, my heart in this sermon tonight was to go out to my people and to calm their fears. And I pray that it's accomplished that. I know it won't happen like that. But that this will just be one step closer of bringing those fears down and faith up. Thank you for being a God who we can trust in the worst of circumstances. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name.